Welcome. It's a real joy to be back with you again uh, in CVPC. I, uh, but I must make a correction. I'm not your, fam your favorite Irishman. Northern Irishman. <laughs> there is a distinction. Wars have been fought over less. Be careful. <laughs> but of course, I'm not... I'm an American citizen as of two years ago. So, uh, yes, um, my fellow Americans, I must address you now. Well, so, but it is a joy to be back with you uh, to share just a little of what we're doing in CWI, but more importantly than to open up the word. The materials are there on the table as ever. Uh, as I was saying with some, my, my bookstall is a little leaner than uh, in previous years, so uh, I need to restock a little, but there should be a few things there that you might want to just browse and, and take away. Um, as ever, the, the Voices from the Past series, they're freebies. Please take those just to realize that Jewish mission is not something that we just made up in the 20th century. This has been, well, it's been from the first century, obviously, but particularly the Reformers and beyond had a very strong interest in bringing the gospel back to those who brought it to us. Um, our magazine is there, a little uh, sheet, or summary sheet is there, uh, and then one other item, um, COVID year kind of forced us all a little bit more at our desks than maybe we were uh, so desirous, because I love just visiting, I love getting out and meeting the Lord's people, which I have done pretty much as normal, really, even for the past 12 months. But uh, during my desk time, I did put together uh, a course that we've been seeking to develop uh, to help the church be the church in Jewish areas. And again, we are blessed and indeed obligated by a large portion of the world's Israel on our doorstep. 42% of the world's Jewish population lives in the United States. So therefore, church, we need to be praying for and intentional in reaching our Jewish neighbors. And that doesn't just mean me or my missionary colleagues. Six million Jewish people, we can't do it alone. We need to equip, assist, resource the church to be the church with your Jewish neighbors. A Jewish doctor, a Jewish dentist, a Jewish lawyer, a Jewish friend. Um, that AC course, is uh, most of it is available online. We will have it completed before the end of the year. Um, and it's a 20-sermon seminar course on Bible, history, and present-day contextual uh, approach to mission. So if you're interested, uh, take a little look at that sheet or go on our website. It's all there on our website under the Resources tab. You can find it there. Well, again, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for your support and your prayers throughout the year. We, we really appreciate what you do for us. And so it's, a, it's no biggie for me to, to come to Chattanooga Valley and uh, visit the church here. Um, do please pray for my homeward journey. Um, some of you do know that I was burgled. My car was broken into yesterday. I lost my laptop bag. At one point, I thought I lost my Bible and sermon, and you might have had a very short sermon this morning. Ah, oh, yeah. Um, but <laughs> actually, my Bible was in the trunk, so uh, 
uh, and they have actually found my bag, but I'm not sure what's in it as yet. It, it was up in Louisville uh, where I was at a park, just anyway, long story. And thank you, Gerald and Bobby, for, for the repair work on my passenger window. Um, I'm hoping I will stay reasonably warm and relatively quiet on the homeward journey. The six hours from Louisville to here were uh, rather chilly yesterday afternoon, let's say. So pray for that return journey. But the Lord is sovereign. Strange providences happen. And uh, while they are troubling, yet, as we'll see this morning, all the toys of this world, he's, he's okay, whoever did it has got a laptop, a Kindle, and a, an iPad. So what? What's he going to do with it? Well, we've locked the iPad, we've locked the Kindle, and uh, yeah, the toys of this world. This morning, I want us to look at Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5. We'll read those and then get into the Word, um, because I want to think about the end of mission, the end of ministry, the end of church, the end of, well, not quite the end of church, the end of church ministry and evangelism and missionary evangelism, the end of it all. So let's read together in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride or adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Ending there, may the Lord give us instruction and speak to us from his most holy word. So I really begin by asking that question, what is your life's goal? What are we here for? What do we live and breathe for? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Well, real happiness. The end goal of all ministry, missionary labor is what? What do we do in mission? What do we do in ministry, in local church ministry? John Piper rightly stated that missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity. Missions exist because worship doesn't. I like that. We exist because the world is not worshiping its creator. Missions exist because the earth should be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, but it isn't. I 
recently turned the big 6-0. Well, actually, I'm 6-1 now as of uh, a month ago. Um, and if I live the normal three score and 10 or four score if I have strength, and for uh, the younger folks, that simply means 70 or 80. It's old language. If I live the normal, I'm, I'm turning the last corner of the 400 meters. What God began in my teens as he called me to ministry age 19, he enabled in my early ministry in Northern Ireland in my 20s. He moved me to a new country in my 30s, that pagan country called England. Going to get into trouble for that one. I entered into missionary labor in my 40s. I entered into a new land and indeed citizenship in my 50s. What's going to happen in my 60s? What is my goal? What is my purpose? What is the end of it all? Well, the end purpose, I believe, we find in Revelation 21. I have five points. I'll try and make some swift progress through the five. And you have them uh, before you, I, I believe. Um, and also, you need to remember that Revelation 21 comes after Revelation 20. Okay, well, that's good. We, we, we can understand that. And at the end of Revelation 20, what we have is a reality that is soon to be upon every one of us. Every one of us. I saw a throne. I saw the dead. Books were opened. They were judged. You know, in our day, we are being fed so many false narratives. We're being fed weird realities identities. My wife works in a local school, a high school. She's a um, registrar. Um, one of the kids at that high school is a furry. I don't know if you've heard of furries before. I hadn't. My 25-year-old daughter had. It may be a younger generation thing, but a Furry is someone who identifies as a furry animal. We laugh, and rightly so, but these are the realities that we are being forced to accept. The church has an ultimate reality to declare. And when the world thinks it's all oh, that churchy stuff, that foolish stuff, we better start declaring it because it's as weird as the weirdness that is being peddled as reality today. But it's not weird. It's real. It's the only really real. And one day we're going to wake up to Revelation 20 and Revelation 21. And it shouldn't be a surprise. So let's move through the five points. A new cosmos. Then I saw a new heavens and a new earth. The first has passed away. The new cosmos. There's a passing away. There's something new to see. I want you to notice that these are recognizable things. This is not some kind of alien alternate universe. 
And uh, if you were in the Sunday school class this morning, you learned that word ex nihilo, where in Genesis the Lord made out of nothing. Well, here it is not out of nothing. It's not new out of nothing, but it is a regeneration of the cosmos. Haggai speaks of shaking the heavens and the earth. Psalm 102 speaks of discarding them as you would a worn-out garment. This world is literally passing away. 2 Peter speaks of a destruction by fire. What use is that laptop to you then? Why is there such a race for the toys of this world? A new cosmos, that's the reality. I simply want to say two points very simply by way of application. Live in the light, long for the sight. What do I mean? Live in the light of this reality and long to see it. Live in the light, long for the sight. I think it was Jim Packer that said, budget and plan for a normal span of years, but be packed up and ready to go at a moment's notice. I like that. When I'm on the road, I need to get packed up and ready and have to have my various materials, my, my presentation, my laptop bag, my stuff, and I need to be packed up and ready to go. Well, in life, budget and plan, yes, it's right to save, it's right to have your retirement and your insurance and blah, blah, blah. Budget and plan for a normal span of years, but be packed up and ready to go at a moment's notice. In the light of this passing away of me, Am I living in the light, longing for the sight? That's our life, friends, as Christians, as church folk, as missionaries. What focus have we in life? What are we about? What is the pursuit of in our lives? A brother pastor once wrote, the one thing that matters in this life is getting safely out of it. I know what he means. Now, of course, we have other things to do in this life, but really, ultimately, if this is the ultimate reality, then living in the light of that and longing for the sight of that, the new cosmos. And if I can just again make simple reference to our own particular mission and our own particular subject, Jewish mission or the subject of Israel, again, I speak to evangelical America. There is a fascination for all things Jewish or a fascination for the land or a fascination for end time speculations and all the comings and goings and shenanigans in the Middle East. There's a fascination for all of that, but it's, it's all passing away. Because our heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they may be saved, Romans 10.1. Getting safely out of it, the one thing needful. Missions exist because people are literally passing away and passing into Revelation 20, passing into judgment. Live in the light of this, dear friends, so that people will be jealous of you. Romans 11 talks about Gentiles making the Jewish people jealous because of what we have. 
Now, of course, many unbelievers, and indeed many Jewish people, just don't want it. They don't want what we have. They don't want Jesus. But we are to live with such joy and live with such delight and live with such shalom and live with such peace that they say, what is it about you? What, you've got something. Yeah. Make them jealous. Because as we live in the light of a new day dawning, as we live in the light of a new cosmos, and as we long for the sight of that and live lightly to the things of this earth, they'll see that something is different about us. I'm not really a fan of that little jingly chorus, one bright morning when the sun is shining, I'll fly away. You see, the reason I don't like that is because sometimes um, people sing that with the impression, well, this world is, 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 in a, is in an absolute mess. We better batten down the hatches. We better just hide in our bunkers until one bright morning the Lord raptures us out of here. Oh, now I'm using dangerous words. Okay, but one bright morning... the I'll fly away. We just want to fly away from this. No, God has given us a ministry, a mission in this earth. We pray, we prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why is he praying thy kingdom come? Why is he teaching us to pray that prayer? If it's all about just flying away, getting out of this. But nonetheless, there is a new cosmos, a new day dawning, a new heaven, and a new earth. You remember the C.S. Lewis series, the Narnia stories, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I'm sure all the kids will love the, the stories of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and how it's always winter and never Christmas. I, I, I love that picture. But, but Aslan is on the move. You know, the gospel is on the move, and spring is coming into our existence, into our world. Gospel realities are coming into our world. We exist, church. We exist, missions, to spread those gospel realities, live in the light of spring, and long for the sight yet to come. But I don't know if you've read the the final one in that series and the last battle, it, it is, uh, again, there are some complex theological issues that uh, those that have a mind for, just be careful with some of C.S. Lewis. There are certain aspects of Lewis' theology that we do not, uh, that we don't agree with. But on the last battle, I think uh, it begins at the very, or rather at, at, at the very end, the last paragraph of the last battle uh, is this. The things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for, the, for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in the world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and title page. Now at last... They were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and in which every chapter is better than the one before. This life 
is only the title and cover page. Revelation 21, this is the beginning of the real story. New cosmos. Live in the light, long for the sight. Secondly, new city. New city. What you see in John's vision or what we're graced to see and what John saw was now a narrowing of the focus. So we've come from the the cosmos now down to a, a city, a new city. We're zooming in, the holy city, the bride, the new Jerusalem. This is chapter one of the real story. Our new and ultimate reality is as the city bride the Jerusalem above, the holy people, those born again from above, those who have their origin in heaven. It's the bride, a bride adorned for her husband. It's the bride of the Lamb. We didn't read it further, but if you skip over to verse 9, you find that it's the Lamb. And if you compare that with Revelation 6, you remember the lamb is the one who looks as if he has been slain and he takes the scroll. And because he takes the scroll, he of all is the only one unworthy to unfurl the scroll of God's purposes and plans. So this city that John sees is the redeemed people of God in perfected city form. The city, but it's a bride. And then in verse 9, it's the wife. It's a done deal. There's no divorce. In gospel mission, what are we calling people to? What does it look like for a person to come to faith in Jesus? What does it look like for a Jewish person to come to faith in Jesus? It is a summons to be the bride of Yahweh. In fact, it is the very thing that Jewish people were called to in the Old Testament. Your maker is your husband, Isaiah 54, verse 5. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. But Jewish people today don't know this. And what a privilege for us Gentiles to bring this message back to the Jewish people. Remember again, this book is Jewish, the man is Jewish, the message is Jewish, the missionaries were Jewish, the writers were Jewish. The old Jewish fishermen wrote to the Jewish exiles, the elect exiles. Second Peter, he said to them, though you're elect exiles, make your calling and election sure. Are you sure he's your husband, my Jewish friends? Are you living as such? And we who are Gentiles, who are unnaturally brought in, Romans 11 again, the, the unnatural branches stuck on as we look at the content of chapter 1 of the great story. How are we to be looking on the cover page? You know the way a cover page has kind of a snapshot of something that's happening within? Well, what does that look like for you? What does your life look like? Are you living in the light, longing for the sight? Are you looking like the bride? Again, a couple of points just by way of application, really just headings. Live in bridal preparation. Long for Garden City Communion. Live in bridal preparation. Long for Garden City Communion. We're going to have communion today. What do we understand by that? How long do brides take in preparation? 
Well, again, I'm getting into deep water here. I need to be very careful. How long do wives take in getting prepared? Well, that's another story, yeah. We are to live in bridal preparation. That's our life. That's the life, liberty, and pursuit of living in bridal preparation. Again, think of those bridal magazines. You've got the bride on the front cover. If this life is the front cover of what is to come, what are we looking like on that front page? Mm-hmm. Maybe not so good. The new Jerusalem is shining gloriously with divinely graced beauty, because we who are in Christ are in Christ. His beauty is shining forth from within us. The new covenant that Jeremiah spoke of is a new covenant where the law is put within us and shines forth from us, living in bridal preparation. And the city bride becomes the wife. And sin is no more. This is our story. And the felt separation that sin brings between us and our husband, that will be no more because in this vision, the city bride has the very presence of her husband with her. New cosmos, new city. Narrow the focus, thirdly, new community. New community, we've gone from the the heavens and the earth, focusing in on the city. Then we focus in on the the community. And what do we find here? I saw this dwelling place of God is with man. Verse 3, he will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. This is the telos, this is the end, this is the purpose of it all, the dwelling of God with man. This is Genesis all over again. The end of Ezekiel's vision was the Lord is there. But here in this, there's no temple, there's no sun and moon. There's simply just the radiant glory of God upon a community that has the sons of Israel upon the gates and the names of the 12 apostles on the foundations. Old and New Testament together, as we embrace the scriptural revelation of salvation in Christ alone and communion in that and being in Christ and being in communion with each other. There is nothing like it on earth. A city, community, communing with the maker where our interactions ultimately in this image are perfect, where our relationships are perfect perfect. Oh, I want to read more of that chapter. I want to read more of how we interact in heaven perfectly. Oh, we knock against each other in this life and we say something or we hurt someone. Then community perfected. I don't know if we sing uh, the old hymn, Jerusalem the Golden, but uh, if you don't Check it out, look at it on, uh, Google it, find the words and, and sing it. Jerusalem the golden, with milk and honey blessed, beneath thy contemplation sink heart and voice oppressed. I know not, oh I know not, what social joys are there, what radiancy of glory, what light 
beyond compare. We need to contemplate more on what is the story we're about to engage on. Uh, when, when we come to Revelation 21, when this is passed away, this is our story. Social joys. I love that phrase. I love visiting. To have social joys perfected. What was it like in the imperfections for the children of Israel? The million strong people to be gathered together around the tabernacle in the wilderness. We are the community. What was it like to be that people? What was it like to be the Jerusalem community at the, at the festival times, going up the hill of the Lord in these festival times? What was it like to be at that community? Even though they smelt death because animals were being burned in their place. What will it be like to be part of the community of the new humanity? What will it like as we taste in part even this morning that communion with Christ and with each other. What social joys of contemplation that we will have as this community. So our, our cover page, preparatory life, prepared as a bride, we should be shining with divine radiance. We should go from this place with our faces aglow. I, I've seen so many churches where everybody's got to be so serious and we're serious going in and we're serious going out. If this thing thrills us, we go out with smiles. We go out with radiance, with joy as we enjoy the divine presence. This is a foretaste now of what is the ultimate reality for us to come. Moses' face shone when he met with God. Though he didn't know it, but everybody else saw it. And maybe that's a good lesson for us too. We're not to be shining and, oh, aren't I wonderful. We're to go forth and people are going to know it. People are going to recognize they have been with God. And do our Jewish neighbors recognize that? What do our Jewish neighbors see of the church? Oh, the church persecuted the Jews. Oh, the church was anti-Semitic throughout all of its church history. That's the narrative that they have been peddled. And indeed, in large measure, it's the narrative that they've lived with and grown up with. Whereby taunting and name-calling, they were called the Christ killers by the church. What a difference this is. To provoke to jealousy, to shine with the radiance of the God of Israel who has put his law in my heart according to the new covenant. You see, these are thrilling things. And I, I, it saddens me that American evangelicalism just gets fascinated by third temple Judaism and the, the, you know, find the red heifer and get all the Jews back to the land and blah, 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 blah. Verse 22, again, we didn't read it, but verse 22 says, I saw no temple in the city. Why are we distracted by finding, trying to find the third temple and the items for the third temple and the blood moons and all the materials ready? What is the content of the real story, church, pertaining to Jewish mission, world mission, and ultimate realities? What is the story, chapter 1? Give ourselves to the things that matter, life, liberty, and the pursuit of, of this. Give yourselves to ministry. 
to minister to Chattanooga. Give yourselves to missions, to Jewish missions, and stop getting sidetracked on things of no ultimate significance. A new cosmos, a new city bride, a new community, a new compassion, a new compassion. We read, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. You see, the zoom lens has really come right down now. It's come from the cosmos to the, to the city, to the community, to the, to the, to the individual. And, and he's going to wipe every tear. A child falls and scrapes their knee. The parent goes over and, and brings comfort. There, there, it, it, it's uh, the cause of the pain. It's over. But, but the eyes may still be wet. And the parent will wipe the tears away. No more tears. I'm here. It, it's over. In this world, we have enemies. We have an enemy. And we have failures, and we have strange providences, and we have tears, and we have death, and mourning, and crying, and pain. But one day it's over. And the compassionate God who we serve will come personally and wipe the tears away. What a father. What a father is ours. There is a new compassion. I must move swiftly on just to the last point. Time is beating us. A new creation. So a new cosmos, a new, com new city, new community, new compassion. And now again, the zoom goes right out. So the lens goes right out to, to the wide angle. And in verse 5, we read, I am making all things new. This is a, a new genesis. The garden is now a garden city. He will make, he will look, and it was good. No sea, no death, no night, no tears. Again, friends, briefly, just contemplate the certainty of this, Christian. Contemplate that this is your story, chapter 1. Now, what he is to do is, is fully known to him and in some ways revealed so far as John can take it in, but it's, it's beyond what the eye and the ear can understand in this world. But nonetheless, he says, it is done. There's no chance in all of this. What motivates to mission? What is my telos, my end purpose? It is to proclaim Jesus. It is to live in that bridal preparation. It is to shine. It is to long amidst all the toys of this world and the vain attempts at works, religion, and all the things that people... This, this is what I want to tell people about. All the unsatisfying drugs of a hedonistic world... The great story is far better, my friends. Please tell it. I'm sure you've seen those apps that uh, take a simple photo of yourself and then transform it into what you look like in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> John has been graced with a sight of what you will look like, believer, 
in a hundred years, a thousand years, when we've been there 10,000 years. We have no less days. The community of the new humanity and social joy and solemn contemplation, never again to weep, always to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Tell it forth, my friends. In conclusion, there's a lot of talk these days about rights, different rights, furry rights, <laughs> weird rights, okay, yes. It all comes from a godless framework of false reality. I want us to think as we close about God's rights. God's rights are the right to bring all of this to eternal judgment. That's his right. He made it. He calls us to account. Chapter 20. And the right of God, the right of Christ our God, to bring his own to Revelation 21 and all the social joys and blessings and contemplations that are there. And then by extension for the believer through Christ to say, this is my story, this is my song. I have a right to the no mores. I have a right to the all things new because my Savior poured his blood. And my Savior on the night in which he was betrayed prayed to the Father, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Do you think the Father would say no to the Son on the night he was going to give his own blood? This is my right. Because Christ has died. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. This is my right. So I live in the light, I long for the sight. I live as a bride preparing herself. I live in the garden city communion. I'm shining with divine radiance. I'm enjoying the divine presence because one day it's going to be over and there's no more tears. It's done. And the great story is about to begin. Till that day, let us all be about our master's business ministry, mission for His glory. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for the story, the greatest story ever told, the story on earth. And we now see glimpses of the greater story yet to come. Till that day, we pray, O oh Lord, that You would help us live life in the correct pursuit to breathe for Your glory and to witness to the glorious gospel. Through Christ's sake we pray. Amen.